certain persons walking who were clothed all in gold. May we go in thither? Aye, someday. If thou art faithful unto death, come. Then I saw in my dream that the interpreter took Christian by the hand and led him into a place where was a fire burning against a wall. And one standing by it, always casting much water upon it to quench it. Out, cursed flame, out I see, and out again. Take that. But no matter how much water was cast, yet did the flames only burn the higher and the hotter. What means this? The fire is the work of grace that is wrought in the heart. He that casts water upon it to extinguish and put it out is the devil. But it doth seem that the fire seemeth to burn higher and hotter, in spite of his best efforts to put it out. Ah, and the reason for that thou shalt soon see. Come around behind the wall. So then he had him about to the other side of the wall, where he saw a man with a vessel of oil in his hand, of the which he did continually secretly pour through a golden tube into the fire. What means this? This is Christ, who doth continually apply the oil of his grace to sustain the flame of love kindled in the honest heart. Ah. Because of Christ's constant help, no matter what the devil may do, the souls of his people prove gracious still. Aha. Uh-huh. A good lesson for me. Ah, did you notice the man stood behind the wall to maintain the fire? Aye, why so? To teach thee that Christ is always near, though doubts may come and fears assail. Then, when I be tempted most, I can be assured that he who applies the oil is the more near at hand. Aye, aye, he is the one that sticketh closer than a brother. He hath abundant oil and will not suffer thee to be tempted above that which ye are able to bear. To God be praises. Aye, come. I saw also that the interpreter took him again by the hand and led him into a pleasant place where was built a stately palace, beautiful to behold, at the sight of which Christian was greatly delighted. He saw also, upon the top thereof, certain persons walking, who were clothed all in gold. May we go in thither? Aye, someday. If thou art faithful unto death, come. Then the interpreter took him and led him up toward the door of the palace. And behold, at the door stood a great company of men, all greatly desirous of going in, but daring not to go. Well, go on. After you, good sir. Not at all. Age before beauty, you know. To the contrary, tis fools rush in. 
There also sat a writer at a little distance from the door at a table side with a book and his inkhorn before him. To what purpose this writer? His work it is to take the name of him that should enter therein. Come, come. Is there not a man among you with enough faith to take the kingdom of heaven by violence? No answer. None. Do they not desire the kingdom? Aye, with all their hearts. Then why do they wait? Look, look past the drawbridge. Looking therein, he saw standing many men in armor to keep it, being resolved to do to the men that would enter what hurt and mischief they could. Then was Christian near to be in tears, because there was found none that could enter in. Well, aren't you going in? You were here first. I shall follow after thee. Not at all. Age before beauty, you know. To the contrary, tis fools rush in. At last, when every man started back for fear of the armed men, Christian saw a man of a very stout countenance come up to the man that sat there to write. Set down my name, sir. Done, good sir. Have on. <laughs> Look ye see, mate. So, a fool has come to engage us in battle, as he could. My sword has been too long thirsting for power. the nails on my club have grown rusty. Come, fool. Will he battle them all alone? Only to the eye of appearance. But they be giants, and that many and all of a fierce countenance. Uh, they be paper giants who hope never to win a battle. What do you mean? Watch and see. Christian beheld as the man put on his head a helmet of salvation, about his loins a belt of truth, and over his breast a breastplate of righteousness. On his feet he placed the swift sandals of the preparation of the gospel of peace, which would enable him to dart here and there among his enemies as a ray of light. Then, taking up his faithful shield, which was impervious to the fiery darts, and the sharp two-edged sword, which cutteth quickly into the very bone and marrow, he was off in a rush against the armed men at the door. Stop him! Get him! Up his head! Organize men! Bring forth! Bring him! March room! Stop him! He has no chance! Watch! The men at the door laid upon him with deadly force. But the men, not at all discouraged, fell to cutting and hacking most fiercely. You shall not stop me with your paper swords and fierce masks. Take that! Uh. Nor shall I fall back, though you call forth a multitude more vicious than thou. Back, I say, and back again! Take that! And that! No! Have mercy! There be no mercy for such impossible as thee. and given many wounds to those that attempted to keep him out, 
he cut his way through them all and pressed forward into the palace and toward the prize of his high calling. At his pressing through, there was a pleasant voice heard from those that were within, even of those that walked upon the top of the palace. Come in, come in, eternal glory thou shalt win. Come in, enter into the glory of thy Lord. Come in. I think I know the meaning of this. Oh? Those of fierce face and shining swords were but actors in a play. Aye, but only seem to be such by the eye of faith. To the faithless, it be thus. Watch those two scholars. After you. Oh, no. Common courtesy demands that I give the way to thee. Why dost thou quake and fear? Yon stout man hacked his way through. Aye, but did you see his armor? I have none such to protect me. Then do we stand here forever, ever hoping and desiring to enter in, but never coming to the realization of it? The time is not ripe. We must wait for the promise of the latter rain which will fit us up for the battle. I believe so, too. But as yet, I see nary a single cloud in the sky. Nor I. Looking here in the church paper, I see not even a forecast of rain. Hmm. Strange that this illiterate underling was able to hack his way through before us. I am that without one class in the use of the sharp two-edged sword. Whilst we are veritable experts in its use. Indeed. In fact, I went to an outside university to obtain my degree in swordsmanship. <laughs> did you now? Well, so did I. How this commoner hacked his way through is a mystery to me. Beginner's luck, no doubt. Mm, brute strength. Well, while we're waiting for the clouds to form, shall we have a duel? A splendid idea. Twill keep our swords sharp. Ungar. They are afraid. Aye. But the giants are not real. To those who will not take God at his word and move forward. The giants are real in vanity. Tis a mystery. Aye. But now, I am ready to be put on my way. Let me go hence. Nay, nay, stay. Until I have showed thee a little more, and after that thou shalt go on thy way. So he took him by the hand again, and led him into a very dark and dreary and dismal room, where there sat a man in an iron cage. Now, the man, to look on him, seemed very, very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down to the ground, his hands folded together, and he sighed as if he would break his heart. What means this? Why is this man locked in this iron cage? And why doth his heart break so? Ask him, he will tell thee. Sir, what art thou? I am what I was not once. 
What wast thou once? Oh, I was once, in my youth, a fair and flourishing professor of religion. Well, but what art thou now? Oh, I am now a man of despair, and am shut up in it as in this iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, now I cannot. But how camest thou into this condition? Oh, I left off to pray. I ceased to watch and be sober. I laid the reins of reason upon the neck of my lusts. I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. I have grieved the spirit and he is gone. I tempted the devil and he has taken me. Dear interpreter, is there no hope for such a man as this? Ask him. Is there no hope, sir, but that you must be kept in this iron cage of despair? No, none at all. Why not? The son of the blessed is very pitiful. He can yet forgive. Oh, no, he cannot forgive me. But he can. No, oh, he cannot. Why not? Because I cannot repent. I have crucified him to myself afresh. I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I, I have counted his blood an unholy thing. I have done despite to the spirit of grace. Therefore, I have shut myself out of all the promises, and there now remains to me nothing but threatenings, <laughs> dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour me as an adversary. For what price did you oh. bring yourself into this condition? Oh, for the lusts, the pleasures, the profits of this world, in the enjoyment of which I did then promise myself much delight. But now every one of those things returns to bite me and gnaw me like a burning worm. But canst thou not now repent and turn? No, I told you that I cannot. God will not be trifled with after what I have done to him. He hath left me. He hath denied me repentance. His word 
gives me no encouragement to believe ye himself have shut me up in this iron cage, nor can all the men in the world let me out. Oh, eternity, eternity, how can I accept the loss of eternity? Let this man's misery be remembered by thee and be an everlasting caution to thee. It shall, but pray tell, good sir, why hath God shut him up in this iron cage? Tis not God hath shut him up thus. Then who? Tis Satan who be the builder of cages. God hath revealed himself as one who came to set the captives free. Then why may he not set this man free? Because sin hath blinded his eyes to the mercy of God. He cannot believe that God can forgive him. And what man cannot believe, God cannot achieve. Then were this man able to believe, could he yet be free? Aye. Are there many that be in such a state? Yea, verily. There be multitudes that believe their sins to be so great that God cannot forgive them. They thus make their sins to be greater than the power of God. Then is it so what I have read? According to your belief, so be it unto you? I, the arm of faith, has been so badly withered by sin that it cannot reach forth to grasp God's mercy. Did they not know that this would happen? Nay. They verily thought they could lead a life of sin and then turn to God in their own good time. But when the pleasures of sin were past, when they would exercise their faith, they found that it had been bound up in the steel chains of their sins. Then I pray God to help me to watch and be sober, and to pray that I may shun the cause of this man's misery. But, sir, is it not yet time to put me upon my way? Tarry yet until I show thee one thing more, and then shalt thou go on thy way. So he took Christian by the hand again, and led him into a chamber where there was one rising out of bed. And as he put on his raiment, he shook and trembled. <sighs> Why doth this man thus tremble and cry out? Sleeper, tell this pilgrim. Why thou didst so do? This night, as I was in my sleep, I dreamed a dream, and behold, the heavens grew exceeding black. Also, it thundered. It lightened in the most fearful wise. Say on. So I looked up in my dream, and I saw the clouds racked by at a terribly great speed. Indeed. And then I heard a great sound of a trumpet, and saw also a man sitting on a cloud. A man? Yes. His hair was white as snow, his eyes were as a flame of fire, his voice was as the sound of many waters, and his, his face did shine bright as the sun. Indeed. And on his vesture, and on his thigh was a name written, King of Kings, 
Lord of lords. T'was our Lord Jesus. Yes, I fear so. And he was attended with the glittering thousands of heaven. They were all in flaming fire. Also, the heavens were in a burning flame. It was a great day of God. Yes, he came near the earth. And then he called with a voice like a trumpet. Come forth. Come forth. Then what? With that, the rocks rent. The graves were opened, and the dead in Christ came forth, prepared to meet their Lord in the air. Glory be! But there came up as well Annas and Caiaphas, and others of those who had pierced him. Yea, for he told them that they would see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Aye, these vainly thought to hide themselves, and they cried for the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them. Go on. And then... Then I heard it said to those who attended upon the king, Gather my wheat into the garner. The rapture of the righteous. Yes. And with that, I saw many catched up and carried away into the clouds. Oh, glorious day. No, no, an evil day. Why sayest that? Because I was left behind. What? Yes, left behind. Then what? Then I heard it proclaimed by the king, Gather together the tares, the chaff, the stubble, and cast them into the burning lake. And with that, the bottomless pit opened. You saw it? Saw it. I felt it. It opened just where I stood, out of the mouth of which there came smoke, coals of fire, and hideous noises. So terrible a dream, then what? Upon this, I awakened from my sleep. But what would cause thee to dream such a dream? Hast thou dreamed it before? Aye, it doth haunt me every night. Can it be God is sending thee warning? Tell me, hast thou perchance sins unforsaken? Nay, nay, none. Sleeper, speak truth. Well, all right. But tis only a little one, a tiny one. Thou must forsake it then, for the law stands at the gate and will not let one stain upon thy garment pass through. I know, and so do I intend to do. When? Oh, soon. Do it now. No, for such a small sin, soon will do well enough. But you must. Soon, soon. But thou art in danger of becoming like the man in the cave. Not so. Why not so? Because his sins were great ones. Mine is the tiniest of the tiny. But it will grow. Nay, I will not let it. But you must. Come. But. Come. But I must needs convince him. You cannot. But he hath sincere intent to change soon. Aye, but soon never comes. It moves on ahead of us like a receding mirage in a dry and thirsty land. He who thinks to change soon waits for eternity. Oh, dear. Consider well these things. I do. And they put me in hope and in fear. Keep all things so in thy mind. To keep thee in the way thou must go. I shall. The lessons have been good. And now? Now you may be off. Thinkest thou that soon I shall be loosed from my burden? Aye. When? Sooner than you think, but longer than you wish. And now, dear pilgrim, Godspeed. Ah, happy I am to be on my way. Farewell, good interpreter. I thank thee for thy many lessons. The comforter be always with thee, good Christian, to guide thee 
into the way that leads to the city. Now, I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall that was called Salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load that was on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending, and high upon the top of that place stood a cross, and a little below in the valley a sepulchre. So I saw in my dream that Christian with great effort did climb to the foot of the said cross, and gazed with wonder upon one suffering there. And it was so that as soon as he came up, even with the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble and so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the sepulchre where it fell in and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, He hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. The innocent hath suffered for the guilty, and by his stripes am I healed. I pray you guys have been enjoying the Pilgrim Progress. Very interested um, plot and schemes, how they dramatize different elements from the Word of God into a audio dramatization of a young man named Christian and going through the journey on how he can overcome certain tricks of the devil. So this is I Am Bodacious Warrior. I know I've been away for a while. Um, to be honest with you, I lost the password <laughs> to the podcast and I didn't remember what email I used to get in so that's why it's been a delay but I appreciate you guys that have been listening thus far and uh, we will be updating some new material for you guys um, they're going to have all type of situations that you will hear through this series you can also go online and get it get it yourself um, the Pilgrim's Progress by Kingdom.com. This is a free audio. I got this at a workshop and they employ us to make copies and distribute it all over where we go. So I figured why not distribute it all over the world through the podcast. So going into this new year, we're going to try to make sure that you are guarded because we are entering into a very, very wicked age in this world. And all type of trickery and tests and trials and deception and betrayal and hurt and abuses. We have sex trafficking. We have bullying not only in schools, but we have bullying happening in the workforce. We have bullying happening even in children's church with adults bullying each other. 
I mean, it's a lot of things that you can uh, pinpoint that you don't expect to happen, but it has happened, and it is happening. So, uh, as always, when um, I receive something, I always try to give it out. So, with that said, uh, we're going to go on and continue. So, I just wanted to say hi, and um, God bless you, and know that God loves you. All right? Enjoy! Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall that was called salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load that was on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending, and high upon the top of that place stood a cross, and a little below in the valley a sepulchre. So I saw in my dream that Christian with great effort did climb to the foot of the said cross and gazed with wonder upon one suffering there. And it was so that as soon as he came up even with the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble and so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the sepulchre where it fell in and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome, and said with a merry heart, He hath given me rest by his sorrow, and life by his death. The innocent hath suffered for the guilty, and by his stripes am I healed. Oh, praise him! Then he stood still a while to look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus so effectively ease him of all his burden. He looked, therefore, and looked again, even till the springs that were in his head sent the water down his cheeks. Oh, my Lord, is it truly for love of me that thou dost so suffer? Is it truly my sins that have broken thine heart so? Oh, then must I praise thee as long as within me there be breath. Now as he stood looking and weeping, behold, three shining ones came to him and saluted him. Peace be unto thee. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Is it truly so? Can it truly be? Did not thy burden roll into yon sepulchre? Aye, but just as it is when one takes off his hat, and yet seems to wear it still, so does it seem in a sense that my burden doth still rest upon my back. Thou must not consult with thy feelings, but rather with the words of him that hath cast thy sins into the depths of the sea. Then... By his promised word, 
They are truly gone. Aye, and no one can bring it back, except thee. By what way? By leaving off to watch and pray, and turning again to the beggarly elements of this life, by partaking again of thy former evil ways, even as a dog doth return to his vomit. Oh, that I might never so do. The choice is thine alone. I will be true, for there are those who trust me. Aye, chiefly he that doth suffer for thee. He shall lead thee as your shepherd through all of your travels. When at last you come at the far side of your journey, he shall greet thee there. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied, for thou art precious in his sight. Thus I am determined it shall be. Christian. Yes? This be for thee. Why, a new suit of clothes. I put them on. But I have no money to buy such fine habits. They are yours, without money and without price. Then to whom do I owe my thanks for these goodly garments? To him whom thou dost behold suffering for thee. They are his? I his. He hath woven them in the loom of heaven by his own hand. Why, they fit perfectly. Aye. And they are without spot, nor wrinkle. Nor have they in them one thread of human devising. This goodly coat hath no seams. This be thy wedding garment, the which, if thou wear it faithfully, shall give thee an abundant entrance into the wedding supper of the Lamb. There he shall serve thee with his own hand. And what of my filthy rags, all here in a pile? They stay here, at the foot of the cross, unless thou draw back. That can by no means be. I have put my hand to the plow. Amen. Christian. Yes? This be for thee. Why, tis a branding iron, such as evil convicts are branded with. Aye. And... It doth glow hotly reddish. Aye, because it has lain upon a live coal from off the altar. What is it for? To put a mark upon your forehead. Must I truly be so disfigured with such a mark? Tis the mark of ownership. Of who? Of he, who upon the cross doth buy thy soul at the price of his own. I draw me back from such a scar. Is not he upon the cross guard because of thee? Aye. Is the servant better than his lord? No. I be ashamed of my fear. Stand thou still. Doth it greatly hurt? Know ye not that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which thou shalt inherit hereafter? Aye. Have thine own way, Lord. Stand thou still. <sighs> Finished. Why, it seems to have hurt me not at all. Because he hath borne the pain for thee. Had I known, I would not have been so hesitating. Had you known, it would have been no test. Why doth he ever test us? Because the devil doth continually accuse thee of being unworthy to walk in white. But when thou pass his appointed tests... Our Lord doth rebuke him by pointing to thy faithfulness. Ah, oh, thanks be that the test was not too difficult for me. The test will never be too difficult for thee. 
He will not suffer thee to be tempted above what thou art able to bear. Thanks be to God. Yes? Forgive my curiosity, but might I look upon my wound? Here be a glass. Why, I see no mark at all. Tis a mark that man cannot see. It can be seen only by those who put it there. To what purpose? It shows us who are his. Ah. Here. Why, tis a parchment roll tied with a seal. Tis for you to read as you run your course. Thank you. See that thou open it often, for it grows stiff and hard to manage if you leave it closed up for any long time. I shall. Also, thou must present it before thee when thou dost come at the celestial gate. Therefore, see that thou lose it not. Oh, I shan't. Thank you. Thank you very much. Farewell, good Christian. Yes, God be with thee. God be with thee. Farewell, my friends. May we meet again. You shall have our company all along your journey, though thou may see us not. Godspeed. Goodbye. Then did Christian give three leaps for joy. Hurrah! Free! At last, free! I saw then in my dream that he went on thus, even until he came to the bottom, where he saw, a little out of the way, three men fast asleep, with fetters of iron upon their heels. The name of one was Simple, of another Sloth, and of the third Presumption. Christian, then, seeing them lie in this case, went to them, if peradventure he might awake them. Gentlemen, you behave like soldiers asleep on their watch. What? Wake up. Wake up, I say. Tis not safe to fall asleep on the road to Zion. There is danger. What? Is there danger, do you say? Yes. Awake, therefore, and come away. Here. I will help you off with your irons. Ah, we are doing just fine. Go away. No. If he that goeth about like a roaring lion comes by, you will certainly become prey to his teeth. Lions? I don't see no roaring lions. He cometh when you look not for him. Awake out of sleep. I told you I don't see no danger. Go away. You there. <laughs> Wake up. <sighs> Get a little more sleep, then I shall join thee. Thou must awake now, for now it is high time to awake out of sleep. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Thou art right, and I shall join thee in a little while, but first I must get my rest. No, you can rest later, come. But the way is hard, and he who has called us is a hard taskmaster. Therefore, oh, oh, I... I've got to save up my strength for my journey. Thou dost bury thy talent in the earth. Nay, I do but preserve it whole without one speck missing. And you, wilt not thou be made free and follow on with me? Soon. Soon doth never come. Not so, for I have seen it come and go many times. Thou must act now, for the time is far spent. We have been in this way longer than thou. 
If there be such an urgency to be off full in a huff, the Lord of the way will make it known unto us before thee. How? We shall surely feel a burning in our breasts, or at least an article in the church paper. Aye, at least an article. But he hath given us command that we sleep not as others. We must be diligent and press forward toward the high calling that is set before us. We await the latter rain to fit us up. T'would be foolish to run before the time appointed. But... And now be off with you. We are in the way of life, and for now that be enough. Nay, but thou must show forth thy calling to this way by travelling forward in it. Bah! Thou speakest of legalism. Knowest thou not that t'was all finished at the cross? Off with you. But... Away, I say. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. But I speak the truth. As thou dost understand it. No... Let us resume our sleep. It may be that God will give one of us a dream to confirm uh, thy warnings of danger. A dream, yes. A dream, And so they lay down to sleep again, and Christian went on his way. Yet was he troubled to think that men in that danger should so little esteem the kindness of him that so offered help to them both by awakening of them, counseling them, and proffering to help them off with their irons. And as he was troubled thereabout, he espied two men come tumbling over the wall on the left of the narrow way. With you. Now the name of the one was Formalist. You make it down, all right? And the name of the other was hypocrisy. Aye, <laughs> down I am. Good. Let's be on our way. They soon drew near unto Christian, who thus entered with them into discourse. Gentlemen, whence from and whither bound? We were born in the land of vain glory. And we both be bound for praise to Mount Zion. But why came you not in at the gate, which standeth at the beginning of the way? Gate? What gate? The wicked gate, manned by a great one named Goodwill. Tis too far out of our way. What? Know ye not that it is written? He that cometh not in by the door, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber? That by no means applies to us. No, not us. Everyone from the land of vain glory, whence we be come, are in agreement that the way back to the wicket gate be too far. Therefore, it is that we follow the custom of our people, and have taken a shortcut over the wall. But will it not be counted a trespass against the lord of the city whither we are bound, thus to violate his revealed will? Thou need not trouble thy head about that. Why not? Because what we do we have... Custom for. Custom? Yes, custom. Custom long-standing. If you should require it of us, we could produce testimony that our custom is over 1,000 years old. Indeed. Indeed. But will it stand a trial at law? There can certainly be no doubt in any rational mind that a custom which has so ably withstood the passage of time and which has served to get so many into the way 
could surely only be counted legal by any impartial judge. And besides, if we get into the way, what matter is it which way we get in? But no buts to it. To be in is to be in. Oh, I don't know. Listen to logic, friend. Thou art in the way, correct? Oh, surely, I. Now thou camest in at the gate, correct? I. And we came tumbling over the wall, correct? I. You are in the way. We are in the way. Now how doth our condition differ? How art thou better than us? Chiefly in this. I walk by the rules laid down by my master, while you walk by the rude working of your fancies. Tis custom! You are counted thieves already by the lord of the way. Therefore do I doubt you will be found to be true men at the end of the way. Did you hear? Thieves, he calls us. What nerve! Tis true. You came in by yourselves without his direction. And you shall go out by yourselves without his mercy. So sayest thou. So sayest he. Watch thee out where thou puttest thy nose, friend. It is like to be bent. Aye, best look thee out to thine own self. And leave fellow travelers to their own peace and safety. Then I saw that they went on somewhat together, but each in his own way. After a period of silence, they began to speak thusly. <coughs> As to the laws and ordinances given to govern our behavior while in this way, we doubt not but that we keep them as well as yourself. In fact, I would say that friend formalist here keeps them better than thou. Indeed. By laws and ordinances you will not be saved since you came not in by the door. Bah! We see not wherein thou differest from us, except perhaps by that, uh fine suit which thou wearest. These garments were given to me by the lord of the place whither I go. <laughs> to cover the shame of thy nakedness, I throw. Aye, and I take it as a token of his kindness to me, for I had nothing before but filthy rags. Well, look upon our garments. As fine as you are likely to see upon any in this way. But they have spots and wrinkles. We be traveling men, good fellow. "'Tis impossible to go this way without picking up a few spots here and there. "'Aye, surely the Lord at the gate doth realize that the way is hard, and that stumbles be many. "'Tis at the gate that he will give us a change of garment. "'Not at the head of the way. "'Nay, but he that did weave them in the loom of heaven doth give them to us at the beginning, "'and doth grant us the power to keep them fully clean.' And why should he do that? Because the clothes are his, and by their beauty is he judged. But the kingdom of heaven is not food or drink. Or clothes. Just so long as we are not filthy, or wretched, or blind, or naked, what does it matter? I what? I only know that when I come to the gate of the city, the Lord thereof will confess me before his father, because I have his coat upon my back, a coat that he gave me freely in the day that I surrendered all. But any coat will do. Aye, just so long as we are clothed. I have, moreover, a mark in my forehead. Hmm, we, uh, we see no mark. It is not for you to see, but for those who put it there. Whence came said mark? 
It came upon yonder skull-shaped hill as I stood beneath the cross just after I had surrendered all and watched my burden tumble from off my shoulders. Well, in this we are better than thee. How so? And that we never had such a burden as you speak of. Then t'was this that enabled you to so nimbly tumble over the wall against the rules of the way. But he who begins his journey by leaving his burden at the cross ends his way with none. They that start with none and bypass the way of the cross shall be crushed beneath a stone when at last they shall see their knee. <laughs> the man waxes poetic. <laughs> All right. So you do have a fine garment, and so you do have some invisible mark, and so you have left behind some imaginary burden on some skull-shaped hill. The fact remains that we, too, are in the way. I have also a roll, sealed, to comfort me by reading as I go in the way. I was also bid to give it in at the celestial gate as a token that my admission therein, too, had been paid by him that hung upon the cross. All of these things, the garment, the mark, and the scroll ye do lack, because ye came not in at the gate. To these things they gave him no answer. Only they looked upon each other and laughed him to scorn. <laughs> <laughs> we have no garment because... We were not naked. And no burden because of our good lives. And no mark because <laughs> if it cannot be seen, it cannot be needed. And no scroll for comfort because we be in no need of said comfort. Being quite comfortable already, you see. Except when keeping company with thee. Therefore, alone may thou be. Farewell. Aye, farewell. Then I saw that they went on all, save that Christian kept before, who had no more talk but with himself, and sometimes sighingly, and sometimes comfortably. Also, he would be often reading in the role that one of the Shining Ones gave him, by which he was refreshed. I beheld then that they all went on till they came to the foot of the hill Difficulty, at the bottom of which was a spring. There were also in the same place two other ways, one turned to the left hand and the other to the right. But the narrow way lay right up the hill. Christian now reached into the spring with his hand and brought the water to his mouth and was thus refreshed. Formalist and hypocrisy, however, fell on their faces before the spring and did drink directly with their mouth. Then did Pilgrim leave them and began to go up the hill. This hill, though high I covet to ascend, the difficulty will not me offend. For I perceive the way to life lies here. Come, pluck up, heart. Let's neither faint nor fear. Better, though difficult, the right way to go, than wrong, though easy, where the end is woe. The other two also came to the foot of the hill, 
But when they saw that the hill was steep and high, and that there were two easier ways to go, and supposing also that by and by these two ways might meet again with the right way, they resolved to go on the easier ways. Now the name of one of those ways was danger, and the name of the other destruction. So the one took the way which is called danger, which led him into a great wood, and the other took the way called destruction, which led him into a wide field full of dark pits where he stumbled and fell and rose no more. I looked then after Christian to see him go up the hill where I perceived he went from running to walking and from walking to clambering upon his hands and knees because of the steepness of the place. Now about the midway to the top of the hill was a pleasant arbor made by the lord of the hill for the refreshment of weary travelers. Thither, therefore, Christian got where also he sat down to rest him. Oh, a resting place prepared for poor pilgrims. Oh, here I may gain rest for my weariness and gather strength from my roll. Then he pulled his roll out of his bosom and read therein to his comfort. He also now began afresh to take a review of the coat or garment that was given him as he stood by the cross. Thus, pleasing himself a while, he at last stretched himself out on the bench and fell into a lightly slumber. Oh, rest, oh, sweet rest for the weary pilgrim. From thence, he fell into a fast sleep, which detained him in that place until it was almost night. And in his sleep, his roll fell out of his hand. Now, as he was sleeping, there came one to him and waked him. Awake. Huh? Awake. Huh? What? Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. With that, Christian suddenly started up. Oh my, tis getting on to evening. Uh, got to be on my way. He then sped on his way and went apace till he came to the top of the hill. Now when he was got up to the top of the hill, there came two men racing headlong. The name of the one was Timorous, and of the other, Mistrust. Sirs, what be the matter? You run the wrong way. Easy enough for you to say. Aye, we were on our way to the city of Zion, the same as you. And we had already gotten past this difficult place. Hard it was, too. We thought we would have the victory when we had gained the top, but instead we found that the farther we went, the more danger we met with. Indeed? Aye, truly it is a deadly, dangerous way we are in. Therefore it is that we have turned about and are going back again. Back? Yes, back. But this is the way. Walk ye in it. Easy to say, for you, from here, 
But we happen to know that just before us lie a pair of lions in the way. Lions? Aye, great lions. And whether sleeping or waking, we know not. And we could not help but think that if we came within reach, they would presently pull us to pieces. Therefore we advise thee to join us and turn back. Ye do make me afraid. Then be thou wise and join with us. But whither shall I fly to be safe? If I go back to my own country, I shall perish with it in fire and brimstone. But who knows when it will be destroyed? All things continue as from the beginning. You might live to be a ripe old age there. Only to sink beneath the heavy burden that shall come upon me again, and to perish in my sins. Oh, but if I can only somehow get to the celestial city, I am sure to be in safety there. I must venture. Thou goest into great danger from the two great lions. Right. The longer we stop to look at them, the greater they became. Methinks they be giant lions. Aye, we did seem as grasshoppers in our own eyes. The risk is great. And the land about them doth eat up the inhabitants thereof. Go back. No, though the lions be ten feet tall, yet to go back is certain death. To go forward is to only meet the fear of death. And if the fear be conquered by faith... Why, I trow I shall find life everlasting beyond it. I will yet go forward. Thou art sure? I am sure. Well, then, let me be off a ways before thou go on. Why so? Why, that I hear not the tearing of thy flesh and the crackling of thy bones, of course. Farewell. Best of luck to thee, foolish one. Farewell, though I see not how thou canst. So Mistrust and Timorous ran down the hill, and Christian went on his way. But thinking again of what he had heard from the men, he felt need of courage. So he felt in his bosom for his role, and, and found it not. Oh no, tis gone, tis gone. Oh, all undone am I. All undone. Then was Christian in great distress. He knew not what to do. For he now lacked that which used to relieve and strengthen him, and that which should have been his path into the celestial city. Where is it? Where could it be? At last, he bethought himself that he had slept in the arbor that is on the side of the hill. The arbor? The arbor, tis in the arbor where I slept. And falling down on his knees, he asked God's forgiveness for that foolish act, and then went back to look for his role. Oh, foolish man, foolish, foolish man. Oh, will it be yet there? Oh, foolish man. And all the way he went back, who can sufficiently set forth the sorrow of Christian's heart? Sometimes he sighed, sometimes he wept, and oftentimes he berated himself for being so foolish to fall asleep in that place, which was erected only for a little refreshment from his weariness. Thus, therefore, he went back, 
carefully looking on this side and on that, hoping to find the role that had so often been his comfort in his journey. At last, he gained sight of the arbor where he had sat and slept, which sight only served to increase his sorrow by bringing fresh to mind the evil of his sleeping. Oh, sinful sleep! Oh, wretched man that I am! That I should sleep in the daytime! That I should take ease in the midst of difficulty! How far might I have been on my way by this time! I am made to tread those steps thrice over which I needed not to have trod but once. Yea, also, now I am like to be benighted, for the day is almost spent. Oh, that I had not slept! Now, by this time, he was come to the arbor again, where, not finding his role, he sat down and wept. Oh, woe is me! All lost and undone am I! Woe, woe, woe! Here he sat for a while, all sad and weeping, when at last, as Providence would have it, looking sorrowfully down under the bench, he espied his role, the which he, with trembling and haste, catched up and put it into his bosom. Oh, thank thee, dear God! Thank thee, thank thee, thank thee! Therefore, it was with joy and tears that he betook himself again to his journey. But oh, how nimbly now did he go up the rest of the hill, yet still before he got him up. The sun went down upon Christian, and this made him again recall the vanity of his sleeping. Oh, thou sinful sleep! How for thy sake I am like to be benighted in my journey! I must walk without the sun. Darkness must cover the path of my feet, and I must hear the noise of the doleful creatures, all because of my sinful sleep. Now also he remembered the story that Mistrust and Timorous told him of how they were affrighted with the sight of the lions. These beasts range in the night for their prey, and if they should meet with me in the dark, how shall I escape being torn into pieces? Thus he went on miserably in his way. But while he was thus bewailing his unhappy miscarriage, he lifted up his eyes, and behold, there were the lights of a very stately palace before him, the name of which was Beautiful, and it stood just by the highway side. So I saw in my dream that he made haste and went forward, that, if possible, he might get lodging there. Now before he had gone far, he entered into a very narrow passage, which had, near the end thereof, two lions in the way. Now I see the dangers that mistrust and timorous were driven back by. Oh, what shall I do? Now the lions were chained, but by reason of darkness, he saw not the chains, and so was greatly afraid, and thought to follow back with timorous and mistrust. What to do? 
Before me, almost certainly, lieth instant death. And yet, behind me, more than certain, lies another death, albeit perhaps slower and not so violent. In this state, therefore, he halted in the way. Now at this point, the porter of the lodge, whose name is Watchful, perceiving that Christian made a halt as if he would go back, cried out to him, Is thy faith so small? Fear not the lions, for they are chained. Chained, you say? Yes, chained. They are placed there for the trial of faith to those that have it and for the discovery of those that have none. Keep in the midst of the path, and no hurt shall come unto thee. Can it be? Can it truly be? Aye, only be certain not to venture too far left or too far right. Then I saw that he went on trembling for fear of the lions. But taking good heed to the directions of the porter, he walked nimbly on in the middle of the road. Not too far left, not too far right. Now as he approached the lions, they did awaken. Oh dear! And begin to stretch themselves to reach the middle of the road. Now because of the lateness of the hour, the sun was far set, and Christian could scarce see clearly the path between the lions. Neither could he see the chains. Now do I dare go on? Are his words verily true? Do the lions wear chains? Thus did Christian come to a stop just before the lions to think thus with himself. His words be not true, then I am entered upon a delusion. And if I am entered upon a delusion, then there be no hope for me. And if there be no hope for me, then just as well that I die at the paw of the lion as to die of despair. Therefore I have nothing to lose and all to gain. Therefore I choose to believe his promise. The lions do wear chains. Then Christian, having chosen to believe the good words of the porter, went forward in faith. And passing through the midst of them, he smelt their warm breath blowing in his face, and felt the breeze that stirred by reason of their swinging paws. But he found that the uttermost reach of their sharp claws did fail of reaching his garment by a hair's breadth. And so he passed safely through them. Then he clapped his hands for joy and went on till he came before the gate where the porter was. Sir, I thank thee for thy good counsel. T'was only my duty. Sir, what house is this? And may I lodge here tonight? This house was built by the Lord of the Hill 
for the relief and security of pilgrims. May I then enter in? Who art thou? Whence be ye, and whither bound? My name is now Christian, formerly called Graceless. I am come from the city of destruction, and bound for the city of Zion. How is it that ye seek lodging so late? The sun is set, and the time for travel is far spent. I had been here hours sooner, but that wretched man that I am, I slept in the arbor that stands on the hillside. Ah, a common mistake. Even so, I would have gotten here much sooner, had I not, in my sleep, lost the parchment roll that is my pass into the celestial city. Well, I will call out one of the virgins of this place, who will... If she likes your talk, bring you into the rest of the family, according to the rules of this house. So watchful the porter rang a bell, at the sound of which came out of the door of the house a grave and beautiful damsel named Discretion. Didst thou call, father? I, Discretion, my daughter. To what purpose? To examine this. See if he be worthy to lodge with us this night. 